It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The journey to a COVID-19 vaccine began decades ago with research on earlier coronaviruses. Scientists built on that with months more of research and development, worldwide cooperation, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of diverse volunteers. Finally, they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. The next step on the journey is yours. Discover the facts at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Verge Bernero. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly. And the Unknown Comic. Mark Farner. Mayor Weaver. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner Program and WFOV, community partners for Flint, for Michigan, and beyond. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Tom Sumner, and today is Wednesday, so we have armchair politics coming up in about an hour or so. Mark Everson is going to join our roundtable regulars. Mark was a uh, high-ranking official in uh, the presidential administrations of Ronald Reagan and George Bush. And uh, he'll be joining uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter for our uh, two-hour roundtable uh, with commentary and analysis on local, state, and national news and current events and so on. But we're going to start out the show this morning with uh, a regular visitor. We uh, have economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan, Flint, joining me by phone. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Hey, Tom. Great to be here. And... I'm not sure which is the bigger news, uh, that vaccines are going to be in arms uh, by May or if, um, or, or the uh, stimulus package or the uh, suggestion uh, that's uh, circulating in Congress about a wealth tax. <laughs> where, yeah, so I think where, all those are big news. Where, 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 do you feel, news. where do you feel like starting? What's going to have the biggest impact uh uh, on the economy, is it going to be shots in arms and and people starting to feel a little bit more secure? Yeah, I think it's definitely shots in arms. So it's hard to think back to 2019 because it feels like a lifetime has happened between then and now. But 2019, the economy was firing on all cylinders, really. Not to say things were perfect. You know, things are never perfect with an economy of 320 million people. But it was really as good as we could expect um, without major reforms like i've always worried about the budget deficit so the budget deficit was huge in 2019 but to change that would require a major reform 
But absent that, you know, 2019 was a time of peace and prosperity. 2020 would have been the same. Um, I remember thinking that if we could get 2020 to look a lot like 2019, you know, we would take it. Well, unfortunately, that's not what happened. COVID hit roughly a year ago, um, you know, March 2020, and then the economy enters into the worst recession since the Great Depression. So it's COVID that's been driving this economic downturn. So if COVID could end or just be mitigated because of shots on arm, shots in arms, well, then we should expect the economy to rapidly recover and hopefully start firing on all cylinders again. So COVID causing the economic downturn. So if COVID could end, well, then the economic downturn should end as well. I think everything is secondary to that happening. And what about the uh, the, the stimulus uh, package? Is that designed to keep people in place or does it have a place in in i don't know jump starting a recovery so that's an interesting question because we're going on stimulus round number 3 here we had the first one back march or april 2020 and then we had a second one december of 2020 and now this 1.9 trillion which is bigger than the first two um, actually, it's about the size of the first one, bigger than the second one. You know, we're talking about stimulus number three here in March 2021. So I think part of the thinking is that since this downturn has lasted a lot longer than what people were thinking, you, know, you can remember a year ago we were talking about, not we, literally, but they were talking about 15 weeks to stop the spread. Well, now it's a year later um, to <laughs> yeah, stop right. the spread. So. The thinking being, well, the economy has been at a downturn much longer than anticipated, so we have to keep helping people out to ride through this downturn. If people are legally prohibited from working because of shutdown orders, we have to kind of do something for them. You can't really tell someone, well, hey, the economy is in a recession. Um, you can't do anything about it because it's illegal to do your job if you're a waiter or a waitress or own a small business, and we're not going to do anything to help you, right? That just doesn't seem feasible. So I think a lot of the motivation for the third stimulus is, given that this is still an issue, you know, we have to do something to help people out. Although $1.9 trillion, you know, there's a lot of junk floating around that $1.9 trillion aside from just helping people out. A lot of the people who will get helped out are major corporations, like at the airlines, I think, are slated to get another wave of stimulus spending in this latest bill. So a lot of it's probably corporate welfare, too, um, in addition to trying to help people ride out the economic downturn. Is the, um, do you think the stimulus, it looks like the stimulus package is going to happen? Yeah, it looks like it's going to happen because when you're talking about budgetary issues, um, those are not subject to the filibuster of the Senate. You only need 50 votes plus the vice president to break the tie in order to pass a budgetary bill rather than the 60 votes you need in order to break the filibuster. So assuming that the middle of the road senators get on board, you know, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Kristen Sinema of Arizona, well, then the stimulus will pass the Senate in some form um, in the Senate without any Republican support or they don't need Republican support. So something will get through and get to the vice pre- or the get to the president's desk for a signature, uh, probably relatively soon. Um, the latest issue was: could you include a minimum wage hike in the stimulus bill? You know, there is a proposal in the stimulus bill to gradually increase the minimum wage to fifteen dollars per hour. I think by twenty twenty five, but the Senate parliamentarian ruled that. Well, actually, that's not related to budget. You know, that's not a budgetary item. Hence, it doesn't get this loophole around the filibuster. So you would need 60 votes to pass a minimum wage hike. So that's being removed, I believe, from the stimulus bill. You know, there's always an option to just fire the Senate parliamentarian and make up your own rules. But um, the president (laughs) and the vice president decided not to do that. And instead, it looks like they're going to remove the minimum wage hike from the stimulus so that pass the stimulus without it. But those things really should, those are really separate issues i I mean it it it's it's hard to justify 
putting a uh, a bill like the the minimum wage bill which is permanent in a temporary relief package yeah i i agree uh but it would make it so that you only need, you only need 50 votes to increase the minimum wage because the temporary relief package is not subject to the filibuster whereas if you just pass the minimum wage hike as a standalone bill well, now you need 60 votes in order to break the filibuster. So I agree, logically, it doesn't make sense to pack in a minimum wage hike with a temporary stimulus bill, but it's a, but it's a way to do it with needing just 50 votes rather than 60, which is why um, during the campaign last November, people were talking about, well, if the Democrats get a majority of the Senate, maybe they could just do away with the filibuster, which is like kind of this weird um, contradiction, if you will, that bills like the minimum wage need 60 votes in order to break the filibuster. But apparently you could remove the filibuster by just having 50 senators vote to remove it. So you need 50 votes to change the rule or 60 votes to just abide by the rule. But there are some key senators out there like Joe Manchin who think that removing the filibuster permanently would be a bridge too far to remove that check on senatorial power. So it looks like the filibuster is going to stay in place. So as long as the filibuster stays in place, people are always going to be looking, or looking for workarounds about how could they pass legislation with just 50 votes rather than 60. Because 50 votes is just a lot easier than 60. 50 votes means you get all the Democrats on board plus the vice president. You know, 60 means you have to get... Um, well, close to like ten, yeah, basically ten Republicans to go along with you, right? Which they weren't the able to of, do with impeachment, right? I think they got what seven or eight Republicans to to go along with impeachment. Yeah, it was, which was much larger than the first go around. Yeah, it was seven with uh, with the Senate. I th- I think I may be confusing the House and the Senate. Um, yeah, I think it was maybe about the same at both. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But impeachment's an easier sell to key Republicans because President Trump wasn't uniformly popular with certain members of the Republican Party. So it's easier to cast a vote to impeach a president who's no longer in office rather than hike the minimum wage to $15 per hour, which the business lobby is going to be largely opposed to. You know, that's just a much tougher sell for the Republicans. Well, and opponents of uh, the $15 an hour price hike uh, or wage hike are are really preaching, you know, gloom and disaster, um, businesses shutting down, you know, moving out of the country if, uh, you know, if it goes to $15 an hour. Is that likely to happen? Has, has that ever really been the outcome of hiking the the minimum wage it's always hard to say because it's been i want to say 20 25 years perhaps longer since the federal minimum wage has been hiked i think the federal minimum wage no, I, it's, at, it's only 10 is it been is it been 10 years for the federal minimum wage um yeah i think there was a bump it's hard to keep straight. I know the federal minimum wage increases much more slowly than individual states. So maybe it was back in 2007-ish where they increased the federal minimum wage. Yeah, the point I was trying to make is that you see states hike the minimum wage. So Michigan's hiked its minimum wage. Other states have followed suit. But it's very rare to see the federal government increase the minimum wage across the board. So it's hard to know exactly what will happen if the federal government increases the minimum wage across the board again, just because we have so few cases of that to look to to see what might happen. And we certainly haven't had a case where the federal government has increased the minimum wage so substantially. Because what is it right now at the federal level? Maybe nine twenty-five an hour or something like that. So to increase it from that to $15 per hour, that's just a substantial increase. And that would apply to all 50 states. And I don't think we have a good idea what could happen um, if that would go through. I think there are some troubling signs about what might happen, though. If you look at states, you know, like in the South, like Alabama, Mississippi, where the average wage down there is like $12, $13 an hour. So you would increase the minimum wage to a rate that's higher than the average wage for certain states of the U.S. 
you know, what stands to reason that you could see some substantial job losses if you require employers of those states to pay such a substantially higher wage bill. So I think the mistake minimum wage proponents make is they look at fairly small minimum wage increases in states that are already pretty high wage, and they say, well, look, nothing really bad happened. So then they say, well, we could expect that nothing really bad would happen if we increase the minimum wage to $50 per hour. Chris, i got to put a comma there. i got to put a comma there because we have a break coming up. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? I want to get into this wealth tax thing, too, next segment. Oh, sure. All right. My guest is uh, Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan, Flint. We're talking about the economy. We'll be right Hello back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. Wear your mask correctly. Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds before putting on your mask. Holding the ear loops or ties, make sure the mask covers your nose and mouth and secure it around your chin. Try to fit it snugly against the sides of your face. Make sure you can breathe easily and keep the mask on the entire time you're in public. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash coronavirus. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with our uh, conversation about the economy and some of the news with the uh, U.S. economy with economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan Flint. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, you're welcome, Tom. Great to be here. Um, now, now I, I had to cut you off when we were going to break and we were talking a little bit about the uh, minimum wage and how businesses would uh, would actually react if that was uh, if that was increased. So I checked over the break and I was wrong about what the federal minimum wage was is. I thought it was nine dollars an hour, but it turns out it's only seven twenty five an hour. So lots of states have a minimum wage that's higher, but if you increase the minimum wage nationwide to fifteen dollars per hour, that's more than doubling the federal minimum wage which is just a substantial increase. So I think it's likely that you would see job losses result from such a big increase, especially states of the South, like we we're talking about before the break, where um, the average wage down there is lower than $15 per hour. So I think it'd be a mistake for people to say, well, look, city or states like New York increase the minimum wage. You don't see large job losses um, because those minimum wage increases are much smaller uh, than more than doubling the minimum wage at a federal level. So I think you'd see job losses, which is such a large minimum wage increase. You would see businesses try to automate, too, to try to replace human beings with robots who are paid a wage. We, you know, we talk a lot about uh, how Wall Street reacts and, and how it it tends to be, you know, um, it, it reacts emotionally. You think it would be, you know, this, this, uh, you know, cold calculating, you know, way of of uh, responding to different things that happen. But very often, it's uh, somewhat impulsive. How do you think Wall Street is going to react if the uh, if if Senators Warren and Bernie Sanders and others, now that there's a Democratic majority, are pushing the uh, wealth tax? idea that they talked about during their presidential bids? I don't think the wealth tax has any chance of going anywhere. I wouldn't expect Wall Street to react despite what Senators Warren and Sanders might be saying. Uh, but you know, suppose that a hypothetical universe, a wealth tax actually gets through the House of the Senate and is signed by the president. I think you would see Wall Street react negatively. Um, it's a ta- it would be a tax increase. I think it would be a pretty substantial tax increase for a lot of people. And the market would, I think, react in a downward direction. The magnitude of their reaction, I think, would be hard to gauge. But I don't think Wall Street would like it, especially since lots of people on Wall Street would be, I presume, subject to the wealth tax. I think there are some practical reasons why a wealth tax wouldn't be feasible. Because when you think about a wealth tax, it's a lot like a property tax we pay every year if we own property. Um, An assessor comes out, assesses your house, assesses your property, tells you what the municipality thinks it's worth, and then you pay a property tax based on that assessed value. Well, a wealth tax would just kind of take that to the extreme and say, well, not only do you owe yearly tax on your property, your land and house, structures and land, but you would own tax on all the assets you have. You know, if you have any sort of collectible art in your house, if you have any wealth built up in terms of stock accounts, savings accounts, um, any sort of investment accounts, any sort of jewelry, precious metals, you would have to report how much of all those assets you have and then pay essentially a property tax on that. And I think just from a practical standpoint, I don't see how that would work. Would you have like local assessors have to come into your house, assess everything inside the house, value the content, they give you a tax bill? Would you have to open up your books and show a local assessor how much you have saved up in savings accounts, investment accounts, so the assessor could figure out your wealth and give you a tax bill on that? I think there's a real problem in terms of just assessing people's wealth. Assessing someone's house, that's easy. The assessor just comes by when you're not home, takes a look around, plugs it into a formula and says, hey, this is what your house is worth. But how do you do that for everyone's wealth, You know, everyone's total wealth, not just their property? I think practically it'd be very difficult, if not impossible. 
Um, what about individual businesses? Now, the um, let's see. Let me let me uh, just read a little bit from CNN um, on what they're saying about this. Um, let's see. Uh, what's being proposed by Elizabeth Warren and and some others is that. Um, levying a 2% annual tax on the net worth of households and trusts between 50 million and a billion as well as a 1% annual surtax on assets above a billion for a 3% tax overall on billionaires um is is there any chance that that uh that business leaders would agree that 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 that's somehow necessary to to really restart the economy and get the economy going again or are people who have money content to to just hang on to it yeah i don't think you'd see any support for a proposal like that because a three percent wealth tax i mean that's just a substantial tax increase that's much different than a three percent income tax for instance because what you would have to do to say a billionaire is somehow value all of that billionaire's assets, all the private jets, all the houses, all the all the land. You know that would be somewhat feasible to do, but then you would have to do a deep dive, look at all the billionaire's asset holdings, all the stock accounts. Um, I presume that people like Jeff Bezos have a large share of their wealth tied up into the value of the Amazon stock, so it's not exactly liquid. Um, people sometimes talk about like paper billionaires where you're a billionaire on paper, not because you have a billion dollars sitting in a vault somewhere, but because the stock you have is valued at a billion dollars currently. You know, being a paper billionaire would be certainly nice, but it's not like you just have a billion dollars liquidity to spread around. Um, there's also, uh, also other assets that a billionaire might own too. So you would have to have like an IRS agent go into the billionaire's account value all of those accounts to figure out the total net worth of the billionaire and then present a tax bill equal to 3% of that net worth. I think practically, you know, that would be extremely, extremely difficult to do, to let an IRS agent do a deep dive into someone's total net worth in order to figure out a tax bill equal to 3% of that. So, I mean, I just don't know of any American who'd be comfortable with that saying, well, okay, there's a wealth tax. So either you just self-report your wealth or you allow essentially an IRS assessor to come in, look at all your asset holdings in order to present you a tax bill. I think there are some real serious privacy concerns with that. And and speaking of taxes, it's uh, it's tax time. Is Do you think the IRS is going to kick back the, the uh, filing deadline again this year or, or have they already? I don't think they have already. I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I think this is like a general concern I have with um, COVID and the stimulus packages is that at some point people expect these things to be permanent. So we talked about 15 days to stop the spread uh, before the break, and that was the first stimulus package in April. Well, 15 days turned into basically 15 months, right? So there's been a second stimulus in December, there's probably going to be a third stimulus coming up within the next few weeks. All these stimuluses involve sending people checks if you're below a certain income threshold, enhanced and extended unemployment benefits, assistance for vaccines, assistance to schools, corporate welfare to the airlines, etc. Well, at some point, people are going to expect that these forms of assistance are going to be permanent. So how do you ever like shut off the extended unemployment benefits? Or how do you stop sending people checks where these checks are helping people get going throughout the um, economic downturn? And likewise, if the IRS is continuing to expand um, the tax filing deadline, at, at some level, people are going to expect that to be permanent, too. And when you look at the budget deficit, not to keep circling back to that, but last year the budget deficit was $3 trillion. This year will be another $3 trillion. Probably next year will be another $3 trillion. You know, if these things become permanent and the budget deficit becomes permanently $3 trillion a year, that seems like it's going to get unsustainable very quickly. And what's the end game to that? Like, I don't know. 
We've well, never yeah. gone down this road before. Three trillion here, three trillion there. Pretty soon it adds up to real money, Chris. Yeah, I mean, if you just <laughs> kind of do the math on that, national debt roughly $25 trillion right now. So just eight years of $3 trillion deficit doubles the national debt. You know, that we've never d- doubled the national debt in a time period um, that short. You go back to World War II, well, World War II ends in 1945, and then the national debt becomes something much more sustainable. So I think there are going to be calls for, well, this downturn has been lasting very long. The recovery is not as rapid as we would like. You know, jobs were lost in the last jobs report. So the economy remains 10 million jobs down compared to where it was before COVID hit. So there are going to be just continual calls for permanent assistance for people, which I think is largely justified because people are in tough shape. But I think the math becomes very difficult if this is permanent. You know, the numbers just don't look very sustainable. Now that the the president has announced that uh, vaccines will be, for all intents and purposes, universally available by the end of May, so the the idea that uh, everyone can get vaccinated, we're looking at pretty much looking at a uh, pandemic all clear sometime this summer. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. That's um, uh, That may be a little optimistic, but there is definitely uh, light at the end of the tunnel. But what I'm curious about now is, is looking forward to recovery, whether it's in the summer or in the fall. Um, is there any silver lining from this pandemic cloud? Um, you know, new businesses starting uh, because of people that were... Um, you know, they lost jobs because companies, you know, downsized or permanently furloughed employees. And then they decided, well, you know, I've always wanted to do home improvement or I've always wanted to be a caterer or whatever. But do you see a big surge of small business being part of the recovery? Yeah, unfortunately, no, because I think small business has been just so hammered during the the shutdowns that a lot have permanently failed. So it's going to take some time for new small businesses to emerge. But I'm thinking new businesses. Do you think we'll see a lot of new businesses that will flourish uh, going forward in the, in during the recovery? Yeah, I'd like to say yes, but nothing really leaps to mind. What more (laughs) leaps to mind is what I think we've really seen is a consolidation of big business, that the big businesses have just got a lot bigger and a lot more powerful, you know, the Amazons of the world, for instance. So I think it's going to be hard for small businesses to enter the market because of the consolidation we've seen during the last year of these big businesses that could just deliver things to your door today, maybe could outcompete the small businesses on price. Then there's always the question mark of, well, how long will these bar and restaurant capacity restrictions go on for? I mean, you're not going to see any new restaurants emerge into the space if there's a 50% capacity limitation to a restaurant. Restaurant just can't be profitable, that kind of limitation. So it's hard to think about you know, what small businesses can emerge as a result of the shutdown, because I think small businesses just in general have been hit very hard. Um, in terms of the silver linings to the pandemic, maybe two that leap to mind. I think one big silver lining is how quickly these vaccines were developed. If you think back to March of 2020, there is a lot of skepticism about whether or not a vaccine for coronavirus could be developed um, in the course of a year. Lots of people said no. And lots of people are skeptical about whether or not a coronavirus vaccine could be developed at all because there had never been one developed in the first place. But what we're seeing with these mRNA vaccines is that, well, it looks like they could be developed very quickly, which is great, and it looks like they might be applicable to other diseases as well. Um, for instance, I've read reports about how there's one to development to fight malaria. So if you could develop a malaria vaccine that's just as effective as the mRNA vaccine for coronavirus, you know, that would just save tens or hundreds of thousands of lives in Africa where malaria is still really a scourge. So I think there's just been a great leap forward, if you will, part of the expression from Maoist China, I should have used that expression, Uh, but just in terms of um, vaccine development, and that vaccine development seemed pretty, um, 
um, pretty stable or not very, you haven't really seen any big developments of the vaccine in front in a number of years. And I think COVID gave a big impetus to develop some new vaccines, which will save lives for COVID, but save lives for other diseases as well. Well, and, and but it's interesting to note, you know, we keep hearing about warp speed and how miraculous it was that this was developed in under a year. But truth be told, there's been research going on in coronavirus vaccines dating back to SARS. So there, there was yeah. some work that had been done they were able to build on, which is part of why we had this sort of, you know, uh, surprise uh, um, development in, in what appears to be a very short time, but it, it really wasn't. Yeah, no, that's true. But the problem with SARS, if you want to call it a problem, is that SARS went away too quickly, which was great at the time. It saved a lot of lives. But... But in terms of developing coronavirus vaccines. Right. But all the vaccine development for SARS just kind of stopped as well. Like there was a lot of progress that was made, but then when SARS disappeared, I think people were like, well, we don't really need the vaccine anymore. Let's focus our efforts somewhere else. So then when COVID hits nearly 20 years later, you know, there is some stuff that could be dusted off the shelf that really helps with vaccine development. That was certainly important, but it would have been better at the time with SARS for the research to continue so that there could be a vaccine ready to go should a SARS-like virus ever emerge in the future. I mean, that's always a problem with a crisis, where there's a short-lived crisis um, and the crisis is over. I think people tend to forget and move on to other things. And then when the crisis emerges, that's very similar. A number of years down the road, people are kind of caught off guard. I think that's true for the pandemic as well. It's not like pandemics are unique in human history. It seems like looking back at human history, like the anomalies where there isn't a pandemic versus what there is. So a pandemic was one of these risks that everyone kind of knew was out there, but no one really ever prepared for it, or at least not like they should have. So when the pandemic hit, I think everyone was caught really flat-footed. This was a crisis that no one was ready for, even though, People should have suspected that at some point in the future, a pandemic would hit, so we should be ready for it. You know, it was um, the last time you were on, we were talking about uh, a a bit of a kerfuffle on Wall Street um, over, what was it, some game stock thing, online stock purchases and and, uh, how that impacted wall street do you remember yeah yeah the gamestop saga yeah i mean that's probably the, the big financial story of 2021 so far has has wall street pretty much recovered from that uh, it seems like the broader stock market indices have uh, i don't know if the hedge funds who've shorted gamestop and as a result took a big loss have i suspect they haven't recovered all their losses but what appears to have happened is there's been at least one key hedge fund that had a big short position on GameStop, which means they were betting the price would go down. And then when the price actually went up, they were caught really off guard. It took some big losses. But it seems like that hedge fund was able to get a diffusion of cash from other hedge funds in order to cover those losses and avoid bankruptcy. So it seems like Wall Street largely has not been adversely affected by the GameStop saga. I'm sure this one hedge fund that took those billion-dollar losses, which wish it hadn't, um, but it, I don't think those billion-dollar losses caused it to go under. I think there are a lot of small-time investors, people who are using the Robinhood trading app, who took some big losses from GameStop because they got in too late. So that's what always happens when you have a mania, like we saw with GameStop, where the price of something is going up substantially. People think the price is going to rise forever, so they get in really late after the price has already risen, expecting the price is going to rise even more, but then it turns out the price falls and they take a big loss. So those people who got into GameStop with the stock price is 350 bucks a share, thinking the price is going to go up to 1000 well, it turns out the price crashes back down to 50 bucks a share, so they are at a big loss, right? They bought at 350 bucks and then sold at 
You think in December, well, when we're looking back over the year, that uh, that's that's going to be the big Wall Street story of the year? Man, who knows with 2021, and who knows <laughs> what the next nine months have to bring us. I mean, there's a chance it could it'd be the big Wall Street story, or there's a chance that something even crazier might happen. <laughs> Is there anything like that on the horizon, Chris? Um, yeah, so there's this subreddit of the social media website reddit so a subreddit is like a message board that people post to called wall street bets and i don't go on this message board very often i don't believe in trading individual stocks myself um so people are still posting out there i guess and they're always looking for the next stock to buy to send what they call to the moon so the latest stock to rise is actually rocket mortgage out of detroit oh really uh, for some reason um, yeah, that stock price is apparently up 70% over the last couple of days. Wow. And the, under, and the understanding I have is that people on this message board think that, or they've discovered that a number of hedge funds have shorted Rocket Mortgage, expecting the price to go down. So people are buying Rocket Mortgage stock to try to force the price to go up. So these hedge funds who've shorted the stock will start earning a loss it as a result decide to just cut their losses buy the stock to close out the short position and with the hedge funds do that you know that should set the stock price even higher you know that's the so-called short squeeze so i think people on these message boards are always looking for the next stock to try to short squeeze and as a result buy the stock and set the stock price higher so there's a chance we'll see more of this going on as people have these trading apps like Robinhood to talk to each other um, on message boards like Wall Street Bet. Well, Chris, um, as always, I it, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. But thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning and uh, and and talking about these. Uh, uh, important uh, developments in the news uh, and, and helping us understand them a little better. Are you welcome, Tom. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I'll look forward to talking again next month. All right. Take care. Hey, you too. That was uh, Chris Douglas. He is uh, uh, an associate uh, professor of economics at the University of Michigan. Flint. He joins us uh, once a month to talk about Wall Street and the uh, nation's economy and and the impact of some of these things that we see in the news and don't always understand coming up at the top of the hour of course it's armchair politics mark everson will be joining our roundtable regulars paul rosicki and henry hatter mark is uh, a um, he was uh, he served in high-ranking uh, positions with two uh, presidents um Reagan and Bush, and uh, was himself a, a candidate for president briefly in 2016. And uh, he's been kind of a regular on the show, and he's agreed to join us from time to time on Armchair Politics. So should be uh, should be a really good one. Now, if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, WFOV, our voices radio in Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions at my good friend, Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're uh, streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, uh, thank you. And we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more of the Tom Sumner Program straight Hi, ahead. this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. The Bickersons never tire. Poor husband John, a chronic insomniac and suffering from slugger's disease, struggles during an acute patch of his ailment while Blanche Bickerson attempts to describe his symptoms over the phone to Dr. Hershey. Listen... This is worse than ever, Dr. Hershey. Can't you come over? Mrs. Bickerson, it's almost three o'clock. I'm sure his condition is pretty good. I'll come over in the morning. But he might recover by morning. I wouldn't want that to happen. What? Wait a minute. I'll carry the phone into the bedroom, and you can hear what John's going through. You hear that? I can't hear your husband on account of those fire engines. That's my husband. What? Incredible. Tell him to do that again. I don't have to. He will. Mrs. Bickerson, there's only one thing. Just a minute, Doctor. Wait until I get the phone out of the room. Now, what were you saying? It's definitely a post condition, and that roaring indicates he's a mouth breather. Well, maybe, but John isn't breathing through his mouth. What makes you so sure? I taped it shut with plaster. That isn't wise, Mrs. Bickerson. I'd rather you tape his nostrils. It's less dangerous. I tried that last night. I think my husband snores through his pores. 
I'd give anything if you could cure him. There's only one course of treatment, but it's very expensive. It'll be $200 down and $25 a month for 11 months, plus charges for extras. Sounds like buying a new car. I am. Good night, Mrs. Bickerson. Good night, Dr. Hershey. Maybe John's quiet now. John! John! Turn over on your side. Go on! John, stop making that silly noise! Oh, I forgot the adhesive tape. Ow! What's the matter with you, Blanche? Who taped up my mouth? I put it on to stop you from snoring. Oh, I never heard of such a thing. You had to go and tape up my mouth just when I'm raising a mustache, pull out every hair. That's too bad. You've caused me enough suffering. I'd rather lose your mustache than lose my sleep. What's the matter with you, Blanche? What's the matter? I just can't stand it anymore, John. Night after night, I walk the floors and get into a state because you snore and brawl and snore and whine like a bulldozer. Uh, Is it any wonder I'm so irritable and ill-tempered? If Dr. Hershey won't encourage me and try to improve my nature and buoy me up, who will help me? Nature boy. Very funny. You're so funny, John. I'm not funny. And what about me? I haven't slept for so long. I'm a nervous wreck. I bury my head under the pillows to shut up your snoring. And when I get up every morning, I have a cramp in my collarbone. Rub it with chicken fat. Rub it with chicken fat. You and your stupid remedies. Huh? What do you care what I go through? Blanche, put out the light. I will not. How would you like to go through life with a constant pain in the neck? Well, I took you for better or worse. Yet to come. That's right. Pile it on. Tell people I forced you into this marriage. Did I ever run after you? Blanche, I want to sleep. I did everything to deserve you, and you know it. Did I accept you the first time you proposed? No. And why not? Because you weren't there. Go on. You wouldn't have the nerve to propose to anybody else. You sure took advantage of my innocence and youth. Oh, don't give me that you stuff. You are no spring chicken. I must have been, or I would never have picked a worm like you. Why don't you go to sleep? It's a different story now, isn't it? Never a kind word. Never a sign of affection. Never a good night kiss. And to think you used to kiss me every time I turned around. I never kissed you when you turned around. I've been a trusting fool all these years. I should have known you don't love me. You never did. I did, too. I mean, I do, too. You don't. You don't. You don't. Oh, Blanche, I love you. You're lying. Swear you love me. I hope I drown in a pool of bourbon if I'm lying. That's the answer to all our problems. You think more of a bottle of bourbon than you do of me. It's true, isn't it, John? What's true? You're in love with a bottle of bourbon. Oh, for heaven's sake. Go on. Say it. I can stand the truth. Just give it to me straight. It's better with soda. Don't try and switch things around. You know you indulge in it more than what is absolutely necessary. No other wife would put up with such a thing like that. Now, just a minute, Blanche. I resent that. I don't care. You can accuse me of being selfish or inconsiderate or anything else, but drinking is not one of my failures. No, it's one of your few successes. That is not true. I don't drink more than any six men you know. Huh? Now, you trapped me into that. The only reason I use bourbon is because the doctor prescribed it. He said I would stop snoring if I took a jigger of bourbon and two aspirin before I went to bed tonight. That's not what you do, though. It is. It is not. You're six months behind on the aspirin and two years ahead on the bourbon. Well, the aspirin gives me a headache. You'd better listen to me, John. We'd get along beautifully if you'd think of me once in a while. If there's an extra dollar in the house, it goes for your pleasure. Only two weeks ago, you had your life insured for $10,000. What about it? You're always thinking of yourself. Myself? Now, what kind of idiotic talk is that, Blanche? If I die, you get the 10000 You know perfectly well you have no intention of dying. You've only got your life insured to tantalize me. I'll drop dead in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Blanche, what's the matter with you? Do you realize what you're saying? I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. 
That's okay. Just calm down. Try to get some sleep. I can't sleep. I'm too upset. You can't stand the sight of me, can you, John? I can stand it fine. I'd like to hear you talk that way to Gloria Gooseby. Don't start with Gloria Gooseby. Anybody could be pretty with the money she spends on clothes. Every time her husband wants a kiss, he has to buy her a dress. Believe me, you're lucky you've got a cheap wife like me. If you were married to Gloria Gooseby, you'd have to pay for her kisses. I'm not married to her, and I get them for nothing. And I hate Gloria Gooseby. I'm warning you, Blanche, if I ever hear you mention her name again, I'll... I'll... That's right. Hit me. You've done everything else. Oh, for heaven's sake, Blanche, will you please put out the light? I have to get up so early in the morning. Good night. Are you angry, John? No, I'm just sick. Do you hate me? You know I do. I mean, I don't hate you, Blanche. What's the matter with you tonight? What have you done? I've been so upset. I forgot to give you something. It came for you yesterday. A letter? Special delivery and registered. It was addressed to you and marked strictly personal and private. Okay, what did it say? Well, you needn't be so snide about it, John. I wouldn't have read it, but I accidentally steamed it over when I was pouring myself a cup of tea. Let me see it. You can read it in the morning. Go to sleep. I want to read it right now. Put the lights on and give it to me. Oh, all right. Here it is. Oh, from the government. Um, good night, John. Mr. John Bickerson, sir, in checking your return for 1946, we find you have overpaid your taxes and closed find a check for $76.50. Well, say, what a break. I finally... Blanche. Hmm? Where's the check? Hmm? Huh? Don't act sleepy now. What did you do with my $76? I bought a beautiful Evan handbag. It's shark skin trimmed with snake skin, and it matches my cat skin shoes. $76 for a shark skin snake? Take it back. Take it back. Do you hear me? Stop screaming. How could you squander my hard-earned money like this? I deny myself everything. I've been cutting the scraps off your old garter belts and wearing them for bow ties. I have my feet hand-soled in a blacksmith just to save on shoes. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just lick the label and stick my nose in the... I don't spend a nickel on myself. You bought a new watch chain yesterday. What watch chain? The zipper came off my pants. You get that money back, you hear me? How can you do that, John? You didn't buy me anything for our anniversary. Can I keep it, please? No. Please? Oh, what's the use? Can I keep the bag, John? How I slave and sweat to bring money and soul together, deprive myself of every tiny luxury to try to make both ends meet. It isn't worth it. One fatal swoop and she squanders two years' savings. What's a man got to live for? I wish I had the courage to... Maybe I will. Life means nothing anymore. There's only one thing to do. John. Oh, John. show down here. 
It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.